The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. We are, this week, continuing in our sermon series called Storybook Bible, and this story is actually the story that uh, where the whole idea came from. It's the story of Samson. Storybook Bible, we're going through many stories in the Old Testament and a few in the New Testament. Sort of reawaken our imagination in reading the scripture and the stories that it tells. Because sometimes we find that we mentally shut down when stories of the Bible are being told. It could be that you had something happen in your life and you shared it with a friend and, and that friend being a good friend said, well, you know, that reminds me of a story in the Bible. And as they start telling you about it, your mind starts going, right? Because you're like, been there, done that. Many of us were raised in the church and sort of shelved the stories, at least, of the Bible on the shelf with Barbies and G.I. Joe's. Maybe we we really want to get in the nitty-gritty of Paul's theology, but the stories are just that. They're just stories to us. Some of us grew up uh, without any faith at all. We we didn't grow up in a a home that told Bible stories, and so when we hear them, maybe they're still filled with that, that wonder and that awe. And so our prayer is that wherever you're coming from, you'll hear these stories again, and that you will see that God, the God who is orchestrating and speaking to lives. These, in, these individuals is still alive and wants to work in your life. So the question today is, are you living to your fullest potential? Are you living to your fullest potential? Now, you might say, well, yes, I am, right? And then you watch the 2016 or 2017 CrossFit Games and you realize, no, I am not. <laughs> right? Or you see something that makes you think, was that not funny? Have you guys watched the 2017 CrossFit? These guys are like Hercules, right? Very impressive people. Or maybe for things like intelligentsia, right? In the academy, you listen to a guy like Stephen Hawking who can't even talk and is yet way smarter than any of us, right? Like these things where we're like, yes, I'm feeling like I'm, filled up to my full potential. Well, the good thing is God is not calling you to live Stephen Hawking's life, but your life. And so the big idea that I want you to hold on to by the end of this is that you realize your full potential when God receives great glory from your life. You receive you, you live in your full potential when God receives great glory from your life. What does that look like? Well, we really see what that does not look like in the life of Samson. To catch you up on the, the biblical context of this, we were in uh, the story of Miriam and Aaron last week. That is the sister and brother of Moses. Moses was the leader of Israel who, who saw the people of Israel come out of Egypt, parting of the Red Sea, Right? The ten plagues of Egypt, a lot happened. Following Moses, though, who didn't even make it to the promised land, we, we get a guy named Joshua, who was faithful in leading the people of God. Right? He had things like, he would say, 
as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he led in such a way that, that the children of Israel was a godly nation under him, right? I mean, really, it was even more so than, than um, we see under um, the rule of Moses, right? It was incredible to watch Joshua lead. Well, following Joshua, uh, we get the book of Judges, where Samson is one of the judges of Israel. And really, that, this whole book is showing us what leadership should not be. Right? It's an example of poor leadership. It was written, we think, following the rule of King David. And so really it's just telling that story of those who followed Joshua and how badly we needed someone who would lead. We, we would need a man who would lead uh, after the heart of God. And we, we see um, that uh, kind of a glimpse of that in David, but we'll see even how we see the need for that after David. So Samson. I'm going to tell you his story and feel free to laugh because Samson was sort of a Jewish playboy, okay? Um, He didn't start out that way. He started out in a way that you would think uh, he would go on and honor God with his whole life. You see, an angel of the Lord came to Samson's mom. It's a pretty special thing. Angel of the Lord shows up and she says this to him. And this is chapter 13 of the book of Judges. The angel of the Lord appeared and he said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drinks and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, so this is important. He was a Nazarite. And what that means is it literally means separate or consecrated. So the whole life of Samson was meant to be an example of what God wants us to look like. Right? And him not, not cutting his own hair or not drinking wine. There was three things you couldn't do as a Nazarite. It was you couldn't cut your hair. You couldn't drink wine. And you couldn't be around a dead body. Kind of weird, right? But in those ways, he would show himself as being consecrated or separated unto God. And so uh, Samson's mom was really excited and and ran to Samson's dad. And she says this. She says, a man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God, comma, very awesome. That's literally what it says in the Bible. She's like, I saw an angel of the Lord. Awesome. (laughs) And, And so... Uh, Samson's dad then goes and prays to God. This is a man who honored God in an age that dishonored God, a man who had reverence for God in an age of irreverence, right? He's an amazing guy, and he comes to God, and he prays this. He says, pardon your servant. I beg you to let the man of God you sent come to us again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. And so, so he comes, and he literally says, sorry, like, he's like, I'm sorry for coming to you. Uh, because he's like, literally, it's this prayer of faith. I trust you, but we don't know how to raise him. And so the angel of the Lord comes again. And it's beautiful because Samson's father, Manoah, says, he, he gets up and he says to the man, are you the man who talked to my wife? Speaking to the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord just says this, I am. Which, seeing the whole context of the Bible is amazing, right? How did God reveal himself 
to Moses is the I am. How did Jesus show himself to be God by simply saying, I am? And so here we have the angel of the Lord, Jesus, God, who's showing up to say, you're going to have a really special son. And so, so Samson's parents, very excited, they want to throw a little party for them. And so they say, can we make you a meal? And the, the angel literally says, angel of the Lord says, uh, no, but you can make an offering. And they say, well, what is your name? And this is what the angel of the Lord says. He says, it is beyond your understanding. But they're really excited. And so they go and they prepare a meal and they bring it back and they put it in front of him. And he literally lights the whole thing on fire. And it says, the angel of the Lord ascends into the flames. That's, that's the beginning. That's the, that's the story of how Samson came into this world, a man who would be set apart to God. And it says that Samson grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. And so I think we're meant to think of Samson in his early age, probably under the, the training and instruction of his parents growing up, as a godly young man. Well, Samson does not remain that way for very long, okay? Starting chapter 14, it says, Samson went down to Timnah, which is in Israel, but he meets a Philistine woman there. So a Philistine woman would be there because the Philistines had taken over Israel. And the Israelites were okay with that. They were okay uh, having their enemy come and live in their midst. And so he's able to meet this Philistine girl Also, interesting side note, Palestine is a modern rendition of the word Philistine, right? So they're still living alongside one another today. Israelites and Palestinians are back then the Jews and the Philistines, okay? And so he meets a Philistine woman and he falls in love with her, right? He is very highly impulsive and so he says he just sees her and he goes to his parents and he says this, um, I have seen a Philistine woman, now get her for me as a wife. Okay? And we learn in verse 7 that he has not talked to her yet. Because it says, then he went down and talked with the woman, and he still liked her. So, so he just, he sees her, and he's literally like, woman, I want to marry, right? And so he goes to his parents, and he wants them to arrange the marriage for her. This is a crazy, it gets crazier. So his parents, being godly parents, say, uh, no, don't, don't marry a Philistine woman. Marry an Israelite woman, a woman who, who was raised to honor God or love God. You know? And so they, they want Samson to marry an Israelite woman. Well, he refuses and they go through with the marriage. So falls in love, marries this woman. He goes down and on his way down, this is, this is sort of the, the young buck Samson is. He's walking through a vineyard. A lion attacks him on his way to the wedding. What does he do? He rips it apart. Right, Samson is the man, right? Not in a good way, but, but he, he tears this lion apart, leaves it to die, and, and proceeds down to the wedding. Well, the amazing thing is this, that, that as he goes down, he, he gets a little rowdy and drinks too much because it says he throws a feast, which literally just means a drinking party. And so he throws his feast and they're drinking a lot, which is the second thing that he breaks. So he he is around a carcass of a lion, which he can't be around a dead carcass. He's also drinking, so he's breaking his vows. And while he gets a little tipsy, he makes a wager with 30 other men there. He says, if you can solve a riddle that I give you, each of you will have to give me a new outfit. 
right? Jewish playboy, right? He just wants a lot of clothes, right? So, so he wants 30 new outfits. Well, they can't figure it out. And so they finally come to his wife, who he's getting married to, and they say, we're going to kill you and your family if you don't get him to tell you. And so what happens is she finally gets him to tell her he has to then pay up 30 outfits to these guys. And so he goes and he kills 30 Philistines. Okay, this is a crazy story. Just kills 30 people for their outfits. This isn't the Bible, right? And so what happens then is the, he gets just upset about this, doesn't consummate the marriage, goes back home moping, okay? And so while he's at home, his wife gets married off to somebody else. Well, later he comes back to kind of claim his wife. And this is what happens. Finds out that she's been married off to somebody else. And so he captures 300 foxes. And what he does is he ties two by two the foxes together and puts torches on them. And he just, they run, run amuck through the orchards and the grain of the Philistines. And he ruins the harvest of the Philistines. And this is how he describes it. In chapter 14, he says, I merely did to them what they did to me. That's the way he justifies all of his actions. I merely did to them what they did to me. And so they come out in force against him. And the Israelites, they go, hey, hey, no beef with us. You got beef with Samson. And so the, his own people come and they say, we want to turn you over to the Philistines, which they do. And he slaughters the Philistines. So the Philistines don't like him, but he can't seem to stay away from them. He cannot stay, this guy cannot stay out of Philistia. He's crazy. And so he goes and he falls in love with another woman, another Philistine woman named Delilah. Okay. And you know, in Lion King where it's like Mufasa and they go, right. I get that feeling when I hear the name Delilah, right? Delilah is a bad woman. Because he falls in love with her, and that's literally what he says in verse 4 of chapter 16. Sometime later, he fell in love with this woman, and he is head over heels for her. The problem is that she just wants to take advantage of him because the Philistine leaders come, and they say, if you turn Samson over to us, if you, if you find out what the key to his strength is, we will give you riches upon riches upon riches. And so four times it takes her to get it out of him. The first time, this is what she says. Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Just casual conversation. (laughs) And so he lies to her. And she comes back to him the second time. She says, you made a fool of me. You lied to me. (laughs) Come now and tell me how you can be tied. This is not a good woman. Right? And so he lies to her again. The third time she comes, she says, all this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. And he, he tells her something that's a little closer to the truth. Right? He says, well, if you kind of weave my hair like a blanket. Right? And so he, it's getting closer. He's talking about his hair. Well, the whole thing happens again where the Philistines get called in didn't work. And finally, she pulls out all the stops. She says, how can you say that you love me when you won't confide in me? 
This is the third time you've made a fool of me, haven't, and you haven't told me the secret of your strength. It says, with much nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Right? But he's just staying in this relationship. It's like we've, oh man. Right? But this is what he says. So he told her everything. No razor, he says, has ever been used on my head because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. And so he knows. What this shows here is he knows that he was dedicated to God. He was consecrated to God. Even though his life was committed to God, he has willfully chosen something else. And so what happens is the Philistines come in, they bind him, and they pluck out his eyes, and they make a fool of him. This is in the Bible, okay? I'm I'm not just making this story up. And so what they do is they bring him in to shame him in front of all the people, all the Philistines. About 3,000 more people are gathered. And it says they parade him around and they have him perform for them. And, and Samson's kind of been a jokester his whole life. And so he's probably telling jokes. He's, but he's, he's this humbled man. The one, this mighty man is now just getting paraded around. And as he... He is getting prayed around. He asked the person leading him around to take him to the main pillars of this large building they're in. And he prays while he's there. He says, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And that, that very thing happens and the whole building comes down. But what we see at the very end is this, that Samson is still self-centered, thinking of himself. My two eyes is all he wanted wanted revenge for. In the very beginning, the angel of the Lord came and said, he will lead the people of Israel. And yet all he seems to do is want the desires of his own heart met. So so what do we do with this? Well, Well, if you came today wondering, what can I do to really screw up my life? I'm gonna tell you. Five simple ways to really waste your potential, okay? I feel like that's the best we can get from this story, is how you can successfully waste your life, okay? (laughs) Uh, Isn't this great? So the first way you can successfully waste your potential is this. Don't keep your word. Don't keep your word. See, this is what we see in, in Samson's life, is that he has literally every advantage as a child growing up. His birth is predicted by angels. He's uniquely dedicated to God as a Nazarite, and he experiences incredible power and authority as a young man, given as a gift from God. He was made a Nazarite, which means that his life was set apart, and he made a vow to follow God. Those three vows that we talked about. And yet he was not interested at all in keeping that vow. Samson's top priority was himself. Samson's top priority, so he saw, he began to see the whole world through the lens of, of, I'm in it for me. See, I think even when Samson prayed, as we look at don't keep your word, I think that Samson was so self-absorbed that he probably still thought he was keeping his word, even though he was just completely blowing off God. And I think we can think that too sometimes because we go around assuming that, that God only really interacts with us when we interact with him. 
And yet it says in the scripture over and over and over again that God searches the heart. God searches the heart. That means even when you aren't praying, God is listening. Even when you aren't offering yourself to God, God is looking at what you're doing with your life. And even the most mundane things, God is calling our lives to give glory to him. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians. It says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that's the big idea, right? Your potential is most fully realized when God is greatly glorified. And Samson did not care. He didn't care about glorifying God by keeping his word. He didn't care about glorifying God at all. And so he wasted his potential. The second way to effectively waste your potential, right? the first way, way to do it is just whatever you say, don't care about it, right? <laughs> Words are cheap. That's how you waste potential. The second way is this. Don't listen to godly advice. You see, Samson developed a fascination with the Philistines. And yet he had godly parents who were speaking into his life that warned him of that. Don't fall in love with the Philistines. The interesting thing is this, is this is the last time we hear from Samson's parents in the whole story. This is the last time we hear someone offering godly advice into Samson's life. The last time, and we get, we get chapters of tragedy following this, but I think at this point, Samson silenced the godly advice. He didn't let anyone advise him from that point on. And we can do this also in our lives. I think I find the older that I get, the more I long for clear instruction, right? Because the, real, the more I realize, like, I am 32 now, and, and I know that's not old, but I feel like there's those things that I should know by now that I am very clueless about. <laughs> yeah, anyone with me, right? You're like, like, I feel like I should know or like have done better, but I don't. And so I, I really want advice. I want godly advice. But Samson wasn't at a point. He saw himself as powerful. He saw his physical ability as equating to spiritual authority and that does not equal one another. And so he was not willing to listen to anyone else. You, you want to know how to waste your potential? Don't listen to anyone else. Right? Don't listen to the godly advice. The next way to effectively waste your potential is to not think of anyone else. To not think of anyone else. How did Samson do this? Well, Samson made it all about himself. He put himself first. We see this in Judges 15 11, like I read earlier, when the whole reason for what he did, what his actions were, is he said, I merely did it to them what they did to me. You see how the, the whole thing starts and ends? I and me. That was the beginning and end of Samson's whole life. I merely did to them what they had done to me. I am at the center. And he never, ever, ever included anyone else, right? He was meant to lead Israel. But instead of leading Israel, he merely tried to be the champion himself. There's a big difference between trying to be someone's champion and trying to be their leader, right? Samson was all about himself. He was like, look at my muscles. But you know what he never did? He never said, look at the way I live and imitate me. That's what a a true leader does. He he or she lives in such a way that can be imitated, a godly life, and he never did that. He only knew how to work alone and never together. He only knew how to impress but not teach. This was Samson's life. And so through his whole life, 
no matter what he did, do you ever see Samson rely on anyone else? No, isn't that interesting? All out for himself. You know how to waste your potential? Try to be the coolest kid on the block. Right? You will waste your potential and you will never think about anyone else. So here is good advice. If, if people are forgotten in your planning, start all over. If people are forgotten in your planning, completely start over because that's what happened. Samson would make plans, but he wouldn't consider anybody else. Nobody else. And so his potential was completely ruined. God had called Samson to deliver Israel, but he only cared about his own desires. That was the story of Samson. The fourth way to waste your potential. Do you guys have enough? Are you like, please, I, I, I could, really could waste it well right now, right? <laughs> okay. Fourth way to waste your potential is this. Don't heed the warning sign. So what is a warning sign? A warning sign is when you turn down a street and see a sign that says, wrong way. Right? And if you keep driving, you will die. Because the cars come, right? That is a warning sign. And Samson did not know how to read the warning sign saying, wrong direction, wrong way, right? All he could see was what he wanted and he went for it. There's this incredible uh, description, I would say, of Samson in the book of Proverbs, which talks about a young man who going out in the city meets a young woman. So he's dressed like a prostitute. And she lures him in with her words and she sa- it says this, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her. That is an amazing description, all at once. It's like he didn't have this a plan. He, all at once, he just went for it. Like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, like an arrow piercing his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life little knowing it would cost him his life. Not heeding the warning signs. What are the warning signs we see? Well, the warning sign is this. I think that the biggest warning sign you will have in your life is this. Anytime you are tempted to prioritize your desires over God's design. Anytime you are tempted to prioritize your desires over what God's design is. What is God's design? Well, thankfully, We have a book that instructs us about what God thinks and what God has plans for. See, in our lives, oftentimes we try following our hearts instead of leading them. I thought about this a lot this week. I'm actually reading a book right now called Don't Follow Your Heart. It's awesome. (laughs) And in the book it says, it says simply this, uh, the heart was not meant to be followed. It was meant to be led. The heart was not meant to be followed. It was meant to be led. Which, what does that mean? It means that your heart is going to screw things up if you put it in front. Right? It's, it's completely meant to be put behind and protected, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding him. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. Trust in him. That means give him protection of your heart, right? Because you don't even know how to protect your heart. I don't know how to protect my heart. I screw up my heart. Often, especially when I'm trying to follow it instead of lead it where it should go, right? You see the difference there? Leading your heart instead of following it. You know how to waste your potential? Follow your heart. 
(laughs) You know how actually see your potential? Glorifying God, glorifying God is when you lead your heart in that way. The last way is this. Last way to waste your potential is don't learn from your mistakes. Don't learn from your mistakes. And we see this in the very end with, with Samson as he, instead of praying to God and saying, God, restore me so I can once and for all finally lead your people, he just says, God, restore me so I can have vengeance for my eyes. He didn't learn from his mistakes. So the question is, what do we learn from Samson, really? Because it is kind of funny to think about how to waste your life, right? How to waste your potential. You can look at it and you can be like, okay, that's a clever way to say this. But So what do we really learn? Well, what we really learn is this. I think we learn true history in the story of Samson. This led Israel into a tremendously dark period of time. That, that leadership matters. And so I think this is the big lesson to draw from this, that we learn in the story of Samson to long for a king that will come and not put himself first, right? We learn, we, we learn to long for a king who, when tempted in every way, will not sin like Samson did. A king who has a pure heart, and we find that king in Jesus, right? So in Samson's story, we are literally, we are made to long for our Messiah, Jesus, who will once and for all save his people. And that's who we find, Jesus, who allows us to find our potential restored in him because we could not live righteous, but he gives us his righteousness. That is the story of the gospel, right? And so really the story of Samson makes us long for the gospel. Amen? Yeah, feel free to give feedback along the way. That's great. Um, so one last story, because I want you guys to see that it can be done. So a hero of mine, I might say the hero of mine, is a guy by the name of Eric Liddell. Eric Liddell was born to missionary parents in China, and he was raised in a boarding school in England, in Scotland. So as, as he grew up, he excelled at every sport he tried. He eventually became a professional both in rugby and track, right? This is an extremely talented young man. In 1924, he made it to the Olympics, the Olympic Games in Paris, and he was favored to win the 100-meter dash. But in finding out that the 100-meter dash, some of the semifinals would be run on Sunday, he chose not to run the race he was favored to win gold in, something that he had trained, I'm already getting chills, what he had trained his whole life to compete in. He was the best at it and he chose not to do it because he felt it would honor God. And you might say, that's silly not running on Sundays. Well, it was silly not to cut your hair. But in these ways, they consecrated themselves. They separated themselves unto God and they say, God, you're first. And let me tell you, whatever you choose to put God first, it's not silly. Go for it, right? And this is the way that Eric Liddell chose to do it. And England, Scotland, they did not understand. But they still wanted him to run, so they put him in the 400 meter dash. Well, his time was 49.6 seconds. And that was not a time that could compete on the international level. But by some miracle, he made it to the finals. In the day of the race, July 11th, 1924, his masseuse, the masseuse for the team of England, gave him a note 
that said, he who honors me, I will honor. A verse from 1 Samuel 3.20. God saying, if you honor me, I will honor you. And Eric Liddell went out and he, he won the 400 meter dash in a world record time, 47.6 seconds. That world record would last for 12 years, but Eric Liddell would not be around to see it be broken because even though he had incredible potential to go on and win in further Olympics, he chose the very next year, 1925, to sail to China and be a missionary, where he would remain for the rest of his days until he died in an internment camp because of the civil war in China. That is a not-wasted life. That is a not-wasted life. He didn't see honoring God just being a good athlete, but his heart was for the mission field, and he went. He could have gotten immense glory as a champion of the people, but he chose to go to China as a missionary, and that is a not-wasted life. So will you be a Samson or will you be an Eric Liddell? You have the choice. The question is, what is your ability and how is God calling you to give him great glory with that ability? Pray with me. Oh, Father, we, we pray that these words will burn in our hearts, that the... Uh, Example of Samson will fill us with fear that the good advice we've been given, the incredible start that many of us have been given isn't enough unless we choose in our heart to honor you and put you first. Not to follow our hearts, but to lead our hearts in a true path. God, for, for maybe some of us who feel like we've already wasted our potential, I pray that we will come to Jesus who we find perfect righteousness in and pray for restoration knowing that you hear our prayer. Knowing that we don't have to waste our lives thinking about ourselves but being a part of your incredible big story. Knowing that we are not just momentary people but we are forever people. Made for our lives the call momentary glory to you to once and for all live with you forever, just giving glory to you. We love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.